You're listening to Mike and Kristen. The podcast. I'm Mike, a musician, writer, and producer. And I'm Kristen, a painter, writer, and designer. Our show is all about following dreams, taking chances, and what life as an artist is really about. Together, we bring you weekly guest interviews and thought-provoking conversations. Let's go! Welcome to episode 54 of Mike and Kristen, the podcast. Wow, what's going on, Kristen? Well, I've been cleaning like mad, actually, today. We both have. This is our spring cleaning mode, I suppose. We're on a cleaning fest to get ready for our podcast party. Mm-hmm. We, I contacted the caterer. We're going to do a, a booze and just general drinks run Yeah. this week. We'll pick up some more food. But it's always nice when the house is clean anyways. Yeah, we we typically clean the house. It's not a once a yeah. once a podcast party thing, you know, like we, we do it every once in a while. There are gonna be a fair number of people coming yeah. through over the weekend though. It's gonna leave when it's over, it's probably gonna be pretty messy. I was thinking about that. You put so much work into preparing for a party and then you do it all over again once it's over. But, yeah, it's, but it's, it's so worth it. It's the memories that last forever. Yeah. So we're throwing a big party for all of our guests who have joined us here in the last year. And they're plus one, of course. Yeah, there's f- over 40 pe- guests we had on. Yeah, plus their, their date. Yeah, not all can make it, but it will be a pretty good number for sure. And yeah. that means we're probably going to get a lot of recyclables that we can take back and make some money off it. Well, that's why we're doing it, really. Yeah. <laughs> you spend uh, $1,500 to make 20 Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's why we're artists and good. not mathematicians. Good investment. <laughs> well, we've got another great guest this week, in my opinion, anyways. I mean, every week we say how wonderful they are, but they truly have been. So Yeah, Patrick Murphy. Pat's no exception. Drummer extraordinaire. Plays with multiple acts, Willie Stratton, Rankin's Winter Warmers, Jacob Strang. There's our son. Our, our son, yeah. Not yeah. no East at the end now. Yeah, Rachel Sunter. I think even Pat lost count of the, all of the bands. He couldn't remember them he all. He plays though. for, but that just means he's clearly very talented and in high demand. So it just speaks to his professionalism and how much people want to just be around him. Yeah, he's he's super talented drummer. He's he does these little things on the kit that just watching as another musician are like mind blowing really. And he's just a really nice person. A good fella. We always end up hanging out and chatting with Pat at events. Like I think yeah. it was music week last year and we ended up just in the reception area with Pat for a solid hour, at least. <laughs> yeah, he was working there, too. Was he working at, at, at the time? At Music Week. <laughs> Were yeah. we distracting him? <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Pat. <laughs> but, yeah, we we chat about music. We chat about karaoke. We chat about, I guess, just a lot of things. Chips. We get into deep into chips. We chat about his muscles. Yeah. Yeah. Pat's a muscular man. Muscle man. Muscle man. You must drink muscle milk you can get at the dollar store. Yeah, chances are. Has well, anyone ever tried that? I don't know what that is. Just, I don't know. I just see it. Muscle milk when I'm in the dollar store getting 
We should yeah. get it. Uh, yeah, I yeah, bet it works Maybe they'll great. be our next sponsor. Okay, we'll look into it. <laughs> Stay some, tuned for that. Someone has any opinion on muscle milk, just let us know. Yeah, let, sh- send us a picture of your muscles and then we'll judge from there if we think it's a good recommendation or not. Yeah, that's this seems like a an appropriate thing to do. This is how we get sponsors. Yeah. Yeah. So Pat Murphy, Patrick Murphy, Patty Murphy. The great big C song is about him and uh no but he's just a good guy good drummer yeah great guy to chat with at a party and uh yeah let's just dive into it here and kick it off let's go Woo! Woo! i Secretly, I'm a singer, and I like it so much. It's my one of my favorite things to do. I was a big karaoke person when I was living in Montreal. It like kind of just came out of me that way. I'd never really done it here because there doesn't. Maybe I'm wrong, and maybe I just haven't discovered it yet. But I don't see too big of a karaoke scene in Halifax because awesome. I stay far away from the Yale House. But mm, uh, I've only niche. I've only <laughs> done it twice scene. in my life, and it was in foreign countries. In Thailand was my first time. Yeah. And it was in this kind of a swanky spot, and uh, there was a guy playing piano along to the song. I did <laughs> uh, Stevie Wonder, Superstition. Is it Superstition or Stitious? I always confuse yeah, yeah, But uh, the song's very superstitious. But like, Yeah. Anyway, and a couple started, got up and started to dance, like ballroom style dancing is like the least appropriate style dance for the song <laughs> and uh then i did the same song in uh mexico like five oh, years later you're gonna say back to no, back yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from the top yeah i made a video um kristen filmed the one in thailand and this it's quite shaky because i'm laughing this, so yeah. hard this very short little time and is playing the piano yeah. and i uh I, when I got up, I said, Hey, I'm Mike. We're the town heroes. This is Bruce Gillis over here. <laughs> and started. And, uh, well, we got people dancing. So, yeah, now you that. have a huge following in Thailand. Yeah. What, what are your karaoke songs? Uh, I really like, uh, Teenage Dirtbag is one of my go to oh, yeah. karaoke songs. It's super fun to do. I feel like something about being somewhere away from home is what really yeah. like draws the karaoke yes. out of people you i've know? had yeah. this exact same thought because i'm a very timid singer and yeah. i said i would maybe do karaoke but not in halifax because yeah, yeah, i'd yeah. be mortified if even one person that i knew saw right? me yeah you're not going to embarrass yourself in front of <laughs> did people you go that through know? that is that how you it might have been I, I a friend of mine seth who's one of my dearest friends who i love so much he was a guitar player that i played with in montreal a bunch and he was a major karaoke guy, yeah. just like, let's go karaoke. And there was this little hole in the wall just down the street from our place. Uh, well, we live close together, not in the same place, but. Um, and it was called uh, Trois Minots. And there was like uh, this Asian guy who ran it, who had this giant anime wig that he would wear yeah. all the time. And um, he would like play tambourine along with you yeah. while you're singing the songs and he would yell at you if you were doing terrible and like cut you off and that kind of, it was very like the mic stand was just a piece of wood with a mic clip on it yeah. kind of thing it was super uh, low to the ground but very very fun and Seth was just like so gung-ho about karaoke and like wrote me into it super hard it was like hard not to have a good yeah. time at that place um, yeah. yeah and it just it it 
it like brought something out of me. I think I used to sing a lot just at home or in the, excuse me, in the car or whatever. But that was my first time like getting on a stage and being dumb and not playing drums and like standing up and singing. And it was like, oh, this is great. I'm not in the back, like sitting behind everybody. It was really cool. Well, the thing with karaoke is there's no pressure on you to be good. Yeah. And there's all different levels. You might hear the best thing you'll ever hear in your life. And the person right after, maybe it's their first time ever singing. And mm -hmm. everyone's just happy no matter what. Yeah. Like if you're awesome, everyone's cheering. If you're bad, everyone's cheering. <laughs> so it is kind of this perfect perfect gateway to uh the stage i guess yeah like it's you're accepted no matter what it's really cool and on the same topic of karaoke we eventually started a live karaoke band oh, in nice. montreal that was one of the most fun some of the most fun i've ever had playing music yeah um so you'd be like the backing band and yeah. someone would get up and say wow that yeah. would be fun it's so <laughs> and cool. you have to kind of roll with them exactly yeah yes. we have like we had about 130 songs maybe like yeah. a spotify playlist that we made for people to kind of go through ahead of time we'd have it printed out on the list and they could sign up and whatever and uh they'd come up and we had a host and the host would she would like go through the songs that had been picked and just like pull names or whatever. So we didn't know what was coming next. It'd be like, all right, next up is this person singing, uh, I believe in a thing called love by the darkness. And they'd come up and we'd like have a little chat and be like, okay, cool. So we'll do this part here. And like, you know, when this comes, just like give us a signal or whatever. And if they ever got lost, they could just point at anybody to do a solo, <laughs> which was really cool. That yeah. was like a good kind of fail safe for people. And then we'd lead them back into the chorus or whatever. Um, it's almost like improv for you guys. Yeah, yeah, it really was. And it was so fun. It's such a great opportunity for people who have never been in a band or on stage to come up and experience that feeling because yes. it's so different than regular karaoke where it's just you and you have like the track and you're doing whatever. Um, but to have to be almost like accountable for other people on stage at the same time, you're like, oh, I want to actually make this good and not you know make a dummy of myself <laughs> that feels like such a gift to offer someone i've often talked about how good it must feel to be on stage and sharing that energy with an audience but oh, it's when best. i can't even hardly sing in my own car without yeah. <laughs> feeling mortified that isn't really available but i love this idea i've it's never fantastic. heard of like the band karaoke yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. it's it's on the uh the roster for things coming up i think in Halifax. You uh, have to be really on your toes to know a lot of songs and yeah. be able to adapt with the, the person on stage. Yeah, that's... Um, see, I feel like I have it easy. I say this a lot. I think playing the drums is like playing music with cheat codes on. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> once you know how like a song goes, you can kind of just make it through most yeah. songs. Uh, there's not too, too much different. Actually, one thing I really admired about uh, your guys' tunes when I was learning those is Bruce has some really interesting parts that aren't just like straightforward... Like he he really goes out of his way to make the drums sound more musical. Yeah, which yeah. I really appreciate. Yeah, there's we we're all about the parts in songs. Yeah, like okay, in the pre-chorus, I switch to this rhythm, so you're gonna match it, or you're gonna switch, and I'm gonna follow you. It just we try to make it kind of cohesive the whole way through, and some like a lot of the times we make. Uh, 
we want it to progress as it's going. I yes. Guess. So yeah. maybe you're doing a tom fill in the first pre-course, but in the next one, it's a double tom fill or yeah. something. So it just kind of builds as it goes. Yeah. I mean, you're basically like the dream theater of Cape Breton. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take that. <laughs> That's a business card tagline. <laughs> we are old. Uh, slogan used to be... Um, a cross between DMX and Dwight Yoakam. <laughs> so obviously we don't sound like either of them, but since they're so opposite, we're probably yeah. somewhere in the middle. So, yeah, it lands like, in there eventually. Yeah. They do cross at yeah. some point. And Kratos? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know why those two names were the ones we came up with, but... Dwight Yoakam. No, no, it, it fits. It How fits. would you describe if you had to choose some parallel musician, Pat? I'm putting you on the oh, spot a no. little bit here, but... Well, DMX... Leave on hell. Was one of them, yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, GMX. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, geez, I don't know. Or maybe uh, influences, or influences? someone that you've practiced to that you feel like, yeah, they're they align with who, who I want to be. Who have I stolen from the most? There you go. There, yeah, yeah. probably. There's a, a German drummer. His name is Benny Greb, who I studied with in Germany mm. for a few. Well, for like a weekend, I I went up for a. It was like a drum camp uh, weekend kind of thing with me and 25 other drummers from across the world. Um, and we just got to like hang out and study and like eat breakfast and go to the pub afterwards with this guy who was one of my biggest influences and like favorite drummers in the world. And it was such an incredible experience. And I, we all also like kind of look the same. I've had, there's like pictures of the two of us and people are like, I didn't know you had a brother. And I was like, yeah, no, he's like my hero. <laughs> um, did he live up to your expectations as a person? Oh my God. Yeah. yeah He's cool. like the sweetest, sweetest guy. Nice. Um, but I just, everything that he does, I'm like, yep, take mine. Thank you. Give me <laughs> like, yoink. <Yeah. laughs> correct. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but like, obviously every musician has a different path in the way they approach to what, what they're doing. And what I do, I'm like, I'm writing songs and trying to perform them. And, I focus on my guitar, but I don't like, like my f whole focus isn't just on guitar or singing. Like there's kind of a whole, a package and I'm working on individual pieces mm -hmm. and just trying to, I guess, put forth the best songs possible. Someone like you is like, you get the, as good as you possibly can on the instrument you play, which is drums. Yeah. And then you can play with basically anyone. Yeah. Like, is that kind of your approach? Yeah, it kind of is. I I was thinking about it because I figured we'd probably talk a little bit about this. And I, yeah. I think that like my approach has always been to kind of just be like a chameleon, I guess, where I learn as much as I can and get as good as I can at my instrument. Yeah. And then I can bring that to whoever it is on the other end who's paying me to play the game. Yeah. Um, I watched an interview a while back that really stuck with me and it was just like a quick thing, I think on GQ with, um, Willem Dafoe yeah. and he was talking about his approach to acting and he was like, I treat myself as just like a color on the canvas that the director is like the painter in yeah. that sense. And I really, really like that idea where it's just like, I'm, I'm just one piece of the puzzle for someone else's vision, but I want to make sure that I fit as perfectly as possible into that spot and like do my best to bring the best out of the song that the artist is creating because they have a yeah. vision and their vision isn't always a lot of drums all the time and like solos and like crazy fills yeah. and stuff like that so it's really about like being as tasteful as possible and actually one other person that i stole from a lot just in terms of like the mentality behind 
being tasteful and playing music is uh oh, what's his last name phil phil mahoney i think from hey rosetta their drummer yeah was a huge influence on me yeah. when i was growing up they were like my favorite band and i'd seen them live so many times and phil was so so tasteful and like never yeah. did anything out of pocket but also would like just be really creative and, and musical on the drums. Yeah. And I really, really appreciated that. And still a lot of that. It's a noble approach to enter different bands because you're not playing with just one band all the time with the goal of making them look their best. Yeah. It's very much, of course, you're part of that collectivity, but it's not about the spotlight being shone on you. Yeah. Is that is that where you want to be? Like, is there any part of you that wants to be up singing at the mic or like are you just happy being so giving to the rest of the band do, members do you want she's asking do you want the april wine 40 minute drum solo <laughs> yeah. with a cowbell i'm just waiting for that nobody's <laughs> given it to me yet but I, one of these days it's gonna come if yeah. we do karaoke band you can do it okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll do uh like yyz is our karaoke song where nobody sings and i just <laughs> yes. play a bunch of drums. yeah um yeah, no, I, I, I think that the the position that I'm in gives me the opportunity to kind of like pretty much do whatever I want. But what I want to do is make the music sound good so that the artist sounds good so that we get more gigs and we could do better, you know, like that's, yeah. that's the goal in the yeah. end. But I can also kind of like sprinkle in a bit of my own flavor here and there, which is really nice. And a lot of the times nobody notices except for me. <laughs> so it's like the perfect, I'm just like camouflaged and I'm, I'm like doing something cool that I like to do. And at the end of the gig or whatever, it sounded great. And that's perfect. And nobody noticed, nobody cared except for me. And it's very like self-serving in a yeah. way, but it also serves other people, which is kind of good. Mm -hmm. You know, if I can cross off both of those things and I'm happy. Okay. Let's go back okay. to young Pat. Okay. Oh, tiny little <laughs> chubby Pat. Tiny Pat. Yeah. <laughs> you, you're from Halifax originally. Yeah. And let us know about kind of being a kid if you had any creative influences maybe from your parents or when drumming came into your life, maybe yeah. it was at an early age. Oh, that's just a quick aside. You get a little Town Heroes poster with Willie Stratton. Yeah. That's fun. That was, and Floodland, yeah. which is not a band that I play in, but now I play with Aaron in uh, Pillow Fight, so that's pretty cool. It's 2013. <laughs> Ten that years was, ago. Yeah, that was Jesus. before my time, I think. That We're was looking probably, at a poster in the studio. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> that was right before I would have started playing with Willie, I yeah. imagine. Cool. Um, yeah, so little baby Pat. Um, I grew up here in Halifax. I went to high school in Brookfield um, with my grandmother. I lived with her then. And that's when I started playing drums when I was 13. Um, before then, I never really, I listened to a lot of music, but my parents are pretty, they listen to music a lot. My dad plays uh, guitar and sings and my mom doesn't really play any instruments, but she's a big fan. Um, and I didn't really like, I, I just, I feel like I kind of stumbled into the drums. It was like, I don't even remember it being a thing that I really wanted to do before I started doing it. We just like kind of got a drum kit and set it up in our garage at my grandmother's place. And I just So kind your of, grandmother wanted to play drums. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> That's why it was in the garage and not yeah. in the house. Um, yeah. But before that, I just played a lot of video games that was pretty that was like my thing before i started doing music in any degree was just so many video games 
I was a big Nintendo kid. And I feel like that also kind of helped the musical influence because video games have sweet soundtracks. So you're exposed to a lot of music just through playing these games. Like you're you're doing stuff and you're very focused on what's happening, but you're also listening to cues in the music and cues in the sound effects and whatever. Yeah. And depending on what game you're playing, the music is amazing. Like there yeah. are some games that just have incredible soundtracks, like some of the old Donkey Kong games. And um yeah, that was a, a big influence for sure. Even the dexterity of the controller maybe. Yeah, helped. you know what? A lot of like hand action going yeah. on, especially with like Smash Brothers. <laughs> so I have in there. You got to warm up for that kind of yeah. stuff and uh, I think that followed through too. I was always very good with my hands in that sense. Yeah. Did you play in high school band or like a proper band that way? I started playing in the high school band and there was already a kid there. His name is Brad George. Uh, and he was already playing drums before he had like started a few years before me. And they put me on the orchestral crash cymbals. And I was like, no, that's not. I think I was there for like one, maybe two like meetings or whatever. And then I just totally bowed out. It was like, this is not for me. I just want to go play the drums. And uh, started a little high school band with some buds. And we were just jamming my garage. We played one show ever. Uh, for a junior high dance, we did like the Super Mario Brothers theme. Uh, one of our own original tunes, we covered Rock Lobster by the B-52s. And that was our whole set. It was like those, the mix. <laughs> yeah, those three songs. Pretty eclectic. We were basically the, the dream theater of Brookfield. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and... That was kind of it. I mean, we how just, was it received? Oh, they didn't care at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we only ever played one show. Um, but no, that was that was like our whole high school, my whole high school experience playing music, just like shutting myself off in the garage and putting on headphones and then jamming a lot. And then later in life, I heard the Weezer song in the garage, and I was like, wow, that. That's mm. exactly what I was doing, actually. <laughs> I wrote that about me. Yeah, I didn't know you guys were there. Yeah. I've heard a lot of guitar players and some singers talk about playing along to other songs, like a cover song, essentially, mm -hmm. to learn. Is it the same with drumming? When you're first starting out, for sure. I, I definitely like recommend people do that mm -hmm. uh, to students because you're not only like kind of listening to what the other drummer is doing and kind of figuring out what's possible on the instrument, but you're also playing to a metronome and you kind of don't realize it because most songs are in time. So that is really helpful, I find, for people who are just starting out. Um what was the other playing to covers? Oh, yeah. And <laughs> I thought about this beforehand, too. Um, I also think that it's important to listen to songs, maybe songs that don't have as prominent drums and create something and like figure something out on your own and just improvise and find something that sounds good that you can play over that that might not be there. Or maybe if there are drums in the song already, try to come up with something that complements those drums so you're doing something a little bit different than what's already happening. Uh, and I think that's a good way to kind of grow your creativity rather than just like learning. I don't know why I'm, I'm miming a guitar right now because it's not <laughs> what we're talking about. But just learning the song note for note, you can do that for sure. And then kind of once you cross that off, it's like, okay, cool. Now, how do I make this my own? You know, uh, I'm doing a gig. Uh, we did it a few months ago with uh, Jay Bennett and Aaron from Pillow Fight and Floodland. Uh, Kalen plays guitar as well and Tori's playing bass we're doing a Paramore tribute band mm -hmm. and we did that with Emo Night a few months back 
and we're doing it again on April 8th at the Marquee. April 8th at the Marquee. And that was really cool to learn. I'd never really been a big Paramore fan at all. I hadn't listened to them. I knew like maybe one or two songs, and one of them I didn't even know was Paramore. And uh, to do that and to learn an entire band's set essentially was a real challenge in a unique way where it's like, okay, I want to, I don't want to necessarily learn these note for note. The approach that I was trying to take was how their drummer would play these things live currently because they're a band that's been around for almost 20 years i I think um and you know when they play these songs when they played them on the record back in the day maybe the guy was like 17 years old i think when they first started so the way that he would play then is a lot different than the way that they would perform these songs live now and a live thing is oftentimes different than a recording thing so it's it was a lot of like okay learn the song learn the structure learn a lot of the parts and whatever but then learn how that person would embellish those parts and how they would maybe perform them differently live and kind of like also add a bit of my own personality to it so it's a big like mixing pot of of different things when you're learning those types of gigs it speaks to your creativity, getting inside the head of someone whose songs that you're learning and yeah. wanting to respect that, yeah, but also bringing part of yourself as well. I, th- I think that's how most artists um, at least learn and, and mm-hmm. develop their style. Uh, so that's really cool. Do you consider yourself an artist in that, like, are there other creative parts of you or is this not to say that this isn't enough, (laughs) but are there like broader things maybe in your life that have made you feel like, yeah, I'm an artist or generally a creative person? Yeah, I think so. Not having a job is one of them. (laughs) I think that's like the main criteria. Defining Um, one. (laughs) You have like seven jobs, really. I know, it's true. Uh, I also do like some production work as well. And that was a, a big kind of push like i think that started right before covid happened in montreal thank god because i would have had nothing else to do but it was like another just kind of outlet when i didn't necessarily feel like playing the drums or wanted to do something else creative besides something on the drums uh but yeah i think i i would consider myself an artist so back when you're in high school you Mm -hmm. play your your one gig and uh you know, maybe maybe you I've felt been... <laughs> something on stage that yeah. the audience wasn't recognizing. But what what at that time kept you going musically? Like what what gave you the bug that wanted you to keep pursuing it? Man, that's it's so funny because I have no idea. Yeah, uh, I you know I've been chasing that junior high dance high ever <laughs> yeah. since. Um, so you did get a high out of it. Maybe the audience <laughs> didn't, right? Yeah, but, probably. Uh, you felt something. Yeah, we had a, a cooler of peanut butter and jam sandwiches on stage. That was nice. something that I've I really think is like the key to uh, being a successful artist is having peanut butter and jam sandwiches readily available on stage. Pretty the Town important. Heroes had bologna sandwiches yeah, one year. Yeah. Bologna paninis. Just feed people. <laughs> yeah. They'll listen to your music. That's right. yeah. Yeah. Or yourself. It's a good you tip. Know? Between yeah. songs, just like chuck one down real quick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I, I like, I feel like I kind of just stumbled as much as I stumbled into like playing the drums. I also just stumbled into being a musician where like I, when I stopped high school not that i stopped when i finished high school yeah uh, i went to university at smu and i did two years there not in music just i was doing like computer science and engineering yeah. and stuff because that's what people do when they finish school is they go to university and yeah. that was just kind of what i did 
and I didn't have my drums with me, I started playing a bit of guitar and just being creative when I could. Yeah. Uh, one of my friends from high school also moved to the city and he had a place with drums in it. So I would go there sometimes and jam with him and just like still play. Yeah. Um, but I started playing in a band uh, around town called Destroy and Rebuild. That was the first band that I played in in Halifax. Yeah. It was a guy who I worked with at Superstore doing Backshift. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just like, it was a pretty kind of heavy sort of band and we played, I think, one show at Gus's Pub maybe and it was <laughs> awesome and it was just like, you know, I wanted to join a band and this was a guy I knew who had a band idea and I was like, cool, let's play some music. And then from there, it just kind of branched out and I started meeting more people and playing in more bands. I played in a band called Minus World uh, How many gigs did Minus World play? Did they play more than one? Yes, they <laughs> yeah, played they, quite a few. That was your first band with yeah. more than one gig? Yeah, 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 yeah. We did like a Music Week thing. That oh, was nice. a pretty cool band to be in for the time. It was very much like a kind of video game inspired, mm. almost like a cross between video games as a whole. And then like, I always found that the Killers were kind of a, maybe not a direct influence, but it always kind of felt yeah. that way to me. Um, but then after that, I started playing with Willie and... It just kind of kept like snowballing where it was like, oh, this is something that I'm doing that I really enjoy and that is also like going well. And I always had jobs on the side with whatever I was doing, but music like slowly became kind of plan A. And these jobs were just there to kind of allow me to pay rent as most people have to Mm -hmm. do. Um, when was the defining moment where you said, okay, I don't have to work another job. I can just do drumming. Uh, COVID really was kind of when that happened when I was, I was living in Montreal and, uh, I worked at a call center job that I really didn't like very much. Uh, do you know anyone who's ever worked (laughs) at a call center who liked it? Uh, no, (laughs) at least nobody who worked at this. Actually, I think I work with people who were pretty content at call centers. Yeah. Like like the, the best part about it was the people who I worked with. Uh, the crew there was really great and we had a great time and there was a lot of like camaraderie kind of thing because we were all in the same terrible position together. So it's like trauma bonding. Yes. And, uh, we were doing that and when COVID happened, we all had to work from home. So you immediately lost all of that. And yeah. I was like in my room, there was a curfew in Montreal where you couldn't leave your house after 8 PM. Um, so I'd be in my room for eight hours a day talking to businesses in the United States. It was a credit card processing, uh, call center. So you'd call these businesses in the States who w- were like, in way worse positions than you because it was so much more intense down there and there it was just really depressing and it was not fun so i got laid off intentionally from them we like had a mutual layoff because they only had so many uh work from home stations and i was like you know what somebody just take mine i'm okay i'm good and uh that was kind of it and at that point I just would practice all the time. There was Serb happening, so I was just getting money. And I would go to my studio and play the drums. And I was like, you know what? This is, I think, maybe what I just want to do. We have a very, very special sponsor of this episode that we both love dearly with all our hearts. The Rustic Rustic Crust Pizza! Pizza. Yum, yum, yum. In Upper Tantalan, Nova Scotia. These folks started off in a food truck and they now have a fully functioning restaurant. They've got a beer garden for the summertime. They get rent out for private events. They have everything there. Yeah, I can honestly say it's my favorite pizza in the world. Like, really? 
10 out of 10. So delicious. It's my favorite spot to eat. And I play a lot of gigs there. They treat me like a god when I go there. They're so nice. It's hard to believe that a local pizza spot is such good supporters of the arts. They're also very supportive of community events. They have taken in a Ukrainian family. They're always giving to fundraising events. They're just amazing people across the board. And you have your art showcase there too. I've got art up there right now. And I have to say, I love their pizza as well. Well, of course, but their Caesar salad is exceptional. Next level. The pizza is wood-fired, which makes it absolutely delicious. And the tomatoes and flour are both from Italy. They've got an awesome collection of local craft beer and wine, so you're sure to have a great drink to pair with your pizza. All of our guests that come to stay with us, we bring them there for a meal. You can find this sweet little restaurant at 10 Sunnies Road in Upper Tan Talon. They're open Tuesday to Sunday year-round, and their website is therusticcrustpizzeria.com. Yeah, you should definitely check it out if you're in the area. You can go to the beer garden, you can go inside. It's a cool house converted into a restaurant. Great people doing great things that we truly are huge fans of, so check them out now. Rustic Crust! Rustic Crust! It's a great story because this kind of collective trauma we all went through with COVID, yeah. for, for not everyone obviously but for a lot of artists having that financial support each month i think offered a lot of freedom and stability oh my God, to absolutely. just be creative and yeah. like i i wonder now in your life if you would be where you are if that pandemic hadn't happened probably not i'd probably still be in montreal to be yeah. honest like that's kind of what brought me back was i i came to visit for christmas that year uh, 2020 and Halifax was killing it. Everybody was like still playing gigs. Stuff was still open. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's maybe where we met. Yeah. Was dur- yeah, yeah, yeah. during that time. We were yeah. at our friend Blanche's who yeah. we've had on the podcast, podcast before. Guest. Yeah. Who just and played. A, she was a guest for the warmers last yeah, weekend too. Which was amazing. She's incredible. Yeah. Uh, but I remember being at Blanche's and sitting next to you and kind of learning a little bit about, yes, you were home visiting from Montreal yep. and you were a drummer and we told you that sometime soon we had hoped to start a podcast and yeah. maybe you'd be on it so <laughs> now here we are. three years later yeah. here we are <laughs> yeah and then maybe one day you guys can quit your jobs and just do podcasting <laughs> yeah look at us all <laughs> These are our jobs. look at us three dropouts yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what what took you to montreal and what brought you back yeah uh when i moved up it was kind of a spur of the moment decision my partner and i at the time a partner at the time and i uh, we're just kind of like getting a little tired of Halifax. It was starting to get a bit stale and Montreal seemed like a cool option. So that's where we headed. Uh, like within a month we were like Montreal, cool. Okay. And then just left. And, uh, it was pretty spontaneous and we landed, got a sublet with some people and then eventually found our own place and then eventually broke up, but still remain close friends. Um, and that was Kind of like the the idea was to go and experience a different music scene and meet different people. And it I think that my experience, at least from Montreal, is that it's the perfect place to go and really like cultivate what it is that you're doing to grow as an artist. But it's not necessarily the best place to go and kind of break out into something bigger. You go there, you meet a bunch of amazing people who are all very similar minded, where they're just like also in this incredibly creative stimulating place and all like 
working on their art. And that's what you do when you live there. And then you kind of take it elsewhere. You like go there, get really good and then leave and go somewhere else now that you're better. Um, I just found it really difficult to like go anywhere. A lot of the gigs that you would play in Montreal, you'd make like 40 bucks and there would maybe be a handful of people there. And it's like, that kind of sucks because (laughs) this band is really good and everybody is like amazing and the music is incredible, but there's so much going on all the time that it makes it hard for people to kind of schedule going to a little show with a band that you've never heard of when like, you know, the Arctic Monkeys are playing or Muse is in town or something like that. So it's, uh, it was a little tricky in that sense, but then coming back home and seeing how much fun the shows were here. Like I went to a a winter warmer when I came back from Montreal and it was my first one and it was at the local and like the stage was packed full of 10 people. And that was like more than you could have in your house at the time in Montreal. So Mm. seeing that just on the little local stage, plus like the full bar was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. This is incredible. Like I've been missing this so much. So that is really, that was like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta come back. I gotta start doing this again. So you came back around Christmas and got Mm -hmm. a little flavor of maybe what life could look like and then decided, yes, this is where I want to be. Yeah. It was pretty much just as spontaneous as moving there. It was like, I came back home in January and then February I was back in Nova Scotia. And what do you think Nova Scotia or Halifax has to offer that's unique in comparison to Montreal? Man, so much, especially after so i worked with music nova scotia for music week last year and that was like seeing the inner workings of that it was never really an organization that i had had a lot of encounters with i mean i'd done music weeks before as a drummer and you know going up with bands and stuff but a lot of that didn't i didn't feel like it really applied to me a lot of like the artist support and like the fact that they are bringing people out to showcase and you know, you're getting delegates in from all over the world to come check out what you're up to. Um, that kind of stuff I never really saw happening in Montreal unless it, it was very much like unless you're a francophone artist, you don't get a lot of attention or support from people higher up. Um, there are some really, really great scenes there for sure. And some incredibly talented musicians. And that was like what I felt like I needed to see in order to kind of push myself to get better mm-hmm. um but coming back here it's like such a musical culture where there it's like very artistic but music is just one little chunk of that and here i I, at least personally would say that music is like the overarching art form in nova scotia by a landslide you know what i mean um with a little bit of bitterness in yeah. my voice <laughs> i talk to mike about this all the time about being a painter and how mm-hmm. lucky musicians are to have resources like music nova scotia and there's oh, constantly God. be it funding or mentorship uh travel opportunities yeah. just the community itself like you were referenced rankin's winter warmers that have not only a dozen musicians on stage but this whole family that is the audience, yeah. that's the friends and uh, fans of the musicians on stage. It's its such a wide network that I, I can't see any other art form locally or maybe anywhere that has like that intensity. So yeah. it's really cool. Yeah. Like, I feed off of it just being on the periphery of like, yeah. I'm Mike's wife. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. yeah, everyone's just so kind. I feel included in it. And, Good. Yeah, yeah, it's a blast. Yeah, I'm glad. Yeah. It's, yeah, there's just so much creativity happening that it's hard not to get like caught 
up in it and still feel inspired even if music isn't like your main art form you know yeah um oh, there's something i was just saying that reminded me of like oh right uh do you guys ever watch chef's table do you know that show chef's table oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh that just saying like being inspired by another art form i remember watching that for the first time and just feeling so much inspiration yes. from these chefs creating the most insane things you've ever seen on a plate uh i'm but, totally the same with cooking shows and fashion shows yeah. i'm you know i like a little bit of cooking not at that caliber yeah but i'm the same way i get so much just creative satisfaction and inspiration oh from my god them. Yeah. yeah like i was having restaurant ideas watching yeah. this show. <laughs> <laughs> i feel like when you consume anything that is done really well mm -hmm. if you read a good book if you watch a good tv show mm. that you can just really pick up on the fact that it's done amazingly well oh, yeah you're just inspired to do better yourself at no matter what it is you do yeah and as as a musician like I, i'm sure we, we both felt it but you just anytime you see something whether it's even just going to see another live band you're like wow that that was amazing and you just want to work really hard and you want to take little things from maybe the show you've seen and put them into your repertoire but yeah just consuming good art in general i think is probably one of the biggest things for any type of artist yeah and i think that's a really important thing too especially as like a side person to yeah. be able to find inspiration and like respect the creativity of other types of music that might not be music that you listen to very often yeah um but still being able to appreciate things within that genre or those songs or that album or whatever that maybe uh, that still like inspire you in a way or you can still like really appreciate uh, even if it's not like your wheelhouse necessarily yeah because I feel like I have to do that quite a bit um, because I'm playing so many with so many artists I, yeah. I say that I, I'm like microdosing every being in every <laughs> band in Halifax yeah. is, is basically what doing the winter warmers is um, and sometimes the songs are like bangers that you listen to weeks after thank god yeah. because you might have to surprisingly play with that artist again on a whim like we had jody guthrow uh just come up for a tune last week i think and we had done her twice and once in pei and then uh again i think uh, yeah she did do it again man there's so many artists that i'm playing with. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah she did pei and then the week the same week back in Halifax, but then she came up for a tune and sort of Jamila, her and Jamila both came up for a tune last week and their songs are bangers. So they were yeah. like in my head the whole time. Same with the walk. I listen yeah. to that tune all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Such a great tune. Thanks buddy. How do you know where you want to put your talents? Like, do you, will you just play with anyone who hires you or are you selective? Like, ah, uh, that's not really in my bag here. Maybe I'll, yeah pass on this or are you just trying to take whatever you can get yeah these days it's i i'm definitely open to doing as much as possible yeah uh for the most part there was uh my other friend seth valere had a theory that i heard a while ago it was like when you play music it has to have like two of three things to play like with a group or for a gig or something there has to be uh the music obviously has to be one of them that's something you enjoy or the hangs have to be really good uh, what is it? The hangs? The hangs. I don't know like, what that is. Hangouts. Yeah, the oh, people. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought it was like band. a technical music term. Yeah. Okay, yes, hangs. Okay. Uh, yeah, so the music, <laughs> the hangs, and the money. 
So yeah. like pick two. And if two of those get crossed off, then it's probably worth trying out. You know, like yeah. if the if you're not getting paid a ton for the gig, but the music is really fun to play and yeah. the people you're playing with are like your buds and it's a great time, then it's probably still worth doing. Um, and then if the music's not great, as long as the people are cool and you're making a decent chunk of money from doing the gig, then yeah. I'm down, you know, 100% of the time. That sounds great. So as a sessional, do you have a flat rate per show or are you just, again, taking it show by show and factoring in those three? Uh... Yeah, I mean, I definitely do. Like, not necessarily a flat rate, but there's certainly like a, a an amount that I would at least like to make per yeah. gig. And I don't necessarily go for shows that pay less than that. Yeah. Uh, same with like recording kind of thing. Yeah. There's definitely like um, an, an amount that works best for the amount of work that goes into those sorts of things. Like to learn a song super well to the point that you can go into a studio, like not waste anybody's time, get it done yeah. in a handful of takes. And then they just can take it from there and, you know. Yeah, that's a whole other stuff. world, the recording side of yeah. sessional, sessional work. Yeah, yeah. And, and you do a fair bit of that? Yeah, I yeah. do. I just did a few tunes, or actually just one tune with Jade Bennett um, a few weeks ago. And there's a tune coming out, uh, a Pillow Fight song. I think it's on the 24th, maybe, probably, whatever the Friday is. Yeah. Um, we had recorded that at John Mullane's place maybe a month or two ago. Uh, so I'm, I actually haven't really heard much of that song. I think Aaron sent it to me and I probably just haven't <laughs> listened to yeah. it yet. So I'm excited to hear that come out. Um, but yeah, that's that's been a lot of fun too, getting to do that kind of side of things. Uh, I really, really enjoy that. I have a very large collection of symbols. That's a thing that I am very into. Uh, one particular brand, it's a, a German brand, Meinl Symbols. I'm a big fan of theirs and I have... A giant collection that I've amassed over the years, just like picking things up for cheap on Kijiji. Um, like I've got 10 ride symbols, which is nine more than anybody needs. <laughs> but uh, I, what I really like about it is that I can take these tools, these instruments to a studio. And depending on what kind of song we're doing or what the vibe is, I have so many different like sonic options yeah. to work with. And I think that's, that's and, really like cool. you said earlier, you're a you're a color in the yeah. the paint for the canvas. Yeah, so you totally. have to be able to to be malleable to, to fit in there. Yeah, like do I have several thousand dollars worth of metal just sitting around my house that doesn't get played? Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> if I go to a studio and I need that particular sound, then it's there for yeah. me, which is really nice. We've and, talked about you being a sessional musician, mm -hmm. but you're playing with several bands on a consistent basis. Yes. Y you must be super busy. Yeah. <laughs> can, yeah. You, can you give us a little bit of maybe your uh, your your list of bands? Who, sure. Who are oh, your, yeah, yeah. Who are your I'm, employers who right now? My employers, my, my gracious uh, employers. Uh, so I'm doing Rankin's Winter Warmers. Obviously, that's happening quite a bit. Um, that's been really, really great. I'm, I'm super happy to be on board this season. This is my first time doing it. I've known Rankin and a lot of the guys in the band for years, but this is my first time, uh, like being a part of the band and that's been so much fun. Uh, it's, there's nothing really like what he's doing. Uh, they're like living in Montreal. There were a lot of jam sessions where people would come up on stage and like you'd vibe out and just play great music. And that was something that I found was kind of lacking moving back to Halifax is, is like the jam session scene is a big thing in Montreal and I think a lot of other major cities, but we didn't really have something like that here. And this is kind of the closest thing I find to that, but it's also unique in the sense that 
like you're bringing up different guests and it's not necessarily a jam, but you're playing a lot of different songs together and like everybody's, it's more like a kitchen party and that's kind of what yeah. his, his, uh, marketing is towards. Yeah. So I've been doing that. That's awesome. Um, and then through that, basically, like I said, playing in every other band in the city. Um, right. I play with Willie Stratton as well. Uh, he actually just sent me some cool little demos of some new tunes uh, last night while I was watching Last of Us. And I'm really excited about that. So. We were watching Last of Us, but we did not get any demos from <laughs> Willie. <laughs> you got to get on the on the mailing list, I guess. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've been playing with him. I play with Rachel as well. We have a show on the 25th. Uh, that's going to be really exciting. And I've been playing with Pillow Fight. Whenever they do full band shows, I'm I'm the guy for them. Uh, who else? Jade. I play with Jade Bennett. We do the Paramore thing together. And then I also do shows with her when she's doing shows. Um, oh, man. You are a hot ticket item, my friend. <laughs> it's a lot. That's, I'm not finished. <laughs> uh, I play with another guy. Uh, Roland Grant is his name. He's like a very intense like guitar virtuoso. He's incredible. He's endorsed by Godin. Uh, like flamenco style kind of playing, but also does a lot of like like uh, Jimi Hendrix and uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan type stuff. Um, nice. Who else? Let's see. I I should have this list down, but I haven't been doing much other than ranking stuff lately, so it's hard to yeah. like um, remember <laughs> who I play with. I think that's pretty much everybody. Oh my god, I'm so sorry if I forgot one of the bands that I played. You, you just named the important ones there. The other yeah. people don't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah. Do you do you feel like you have a good memory? Oh my god, I hope so. Yeah, uh, you yeah. must. I I think so. It's that's like a lot of what it is come down to and that's been a lot of like the training with Rankin's thing is that I have to remember so many new tunes each week and a friend of mine uh, was at a show we did in Cape Breton a while ago and he took a picture of me on stage and I've got my phone up to my ear like I'm listening to <laughs> one of the songs it's like in between songs and then like we're about to play one and I'm like oh, let me just remember how that goes okay cool um, nice. but you know once I hear the tune I pretty much have the idea I got some notes that I'll write out and stuff too uh, that yours were actually Mike. Yours were a little trickier than normal because oh, yeah. Bruce has so many interesting parts. Yeah. But I, I wanted to make sure that I did them justice, so they're pretty cool. Yeah, well, our songs are like I, I remember. I I think our songs are really easy to play yeah. just because <laughs> we create them. But I remember when we started bringing in some different people to play the parts. They said they're hard because there's no. You can't just jam it out like yeah. the parts are very specific yeah like to play it like as it is on the recording like you have to know the parts you can't just kind of yeah fiddle around you no, know like so. i couldn't just like play a groove through all the tunes yeah you know and yeah. kind of wing it which i fortunately get to do for a lot of other songs most of the ones that rangan throws at me like i will play probably between like two and four songs a show that I've just never heard before in my life. <laughs> and he's like, you know this one. And he just goes yeah. like this. Or he'll like beatbox out like a like, in like Rankin's broken uh, drum beatboxing. You get three <laughs> seconds of beatboxing and you have to play a seven yeah. minute song. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, no, but it's, it's awesome. It's the best. Is each individual band member writing their own parts like when you talk about it being maybe challenging for someone else to pick up on your parts like would somebody give you a song pad and you're writing the drum part or how does that i know it's different for a cover but yeah yeah it uh it kind of depends i think 
these days, um, I'll either get a song that's finished for the most part and it'll be like, this is how it goes. But usually when I get things like that, it's not from people who are drummers. So they have drums in the song or maybe it's like a like they've done it in Logic or something and it's just like a fake kind of drum track that's yeah. in there to get the idea and the vibe and then I can take that and add a little of my own spice. Mm-hmm. Um, excuse me. But yeah, so it's either I'll get a completed song or I'll get like an acoustic, somebody like playing an acoustic uh, guitar and singing and like that's the structure of the song and then from there I get to kind of add, add the building blocks and create something that I think fits the best. And do you like having it kind of a blank canvas more than anything? Yeah, I think so. I, yeah. I like being able to like kind of come up with something unique and, and create a little bit or just like find the groove that fits into that slot like the yeah. best, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It just feels really nice to to get it and be like, oh, this is this is how the drums go. Like I didn't know that until I heard the song and it's like, no, no, this is how they go. Speaking of your spice, (laughs) (laughs) so a songwriter, for example, might draw upon a challenging time in their life. Mm -hmm. And this is a way to sort of therapeutically work through that or express something that resonates with others. Do you feel like that is something that you can still express as a drummer? Or how Mm. much does that have a role in your work? Yeah. Well, what's cool is that I think like depending on what the song is about, like I can probably relate to what's happening in the music in some way. And then I can kind of draw those uh, similarities from there. And like, if we're playing a song that's really emotional, like I'm going to cry, you know, mm-hmm. and <laughs> and then mm-hmm. it gets, you can feel that yeah. coming in through the song. Um, and the same with like, I don't know, just like a really intense energy. Like you bring that energy, you try to match the energy of the song so that it fits well with what's going on, you know? And it is physical yeah. what you're doing. Yeah, like, are you, sure. are you training otherwise? I know you're, you're like, you're a pretty ripped guy anyways, <laughs> but is that just because you like to be healthy or is it a yeah. requirement? Well, it's, it's definitely a benefit for sure. I'm really, I, I feel like fortunate that I have my health in the sense that I can play drums and that doesn't get in the way. Although this, the Paramore show that we did, that was like pushing the limits for me. That was like the most intense and like hardest and loudest that I've played and the sweatiest that I've been Mm -hmm. because the whole place was like, I don't know, 20 degrees hotter in the marquee than I've ever felt it. Mm -hmm. It felt like global warming was real, but just in the marquee. (laughs) I'm kidding. Global warming is obviously real. Um, But, uh, yeah, like that, I mean, my hands were sweating. I had to like wipe my drumsticks off because they were like damp while we were playing these songs. Um, so being being like in good physical shape definitely helps. I feel like lately I haven't been because I've just been like so busy learning tunes. And it's it's a really interesting thing to have music as your profession where you have to like draw a pretty hard line between I'm listening to this for work to learn yeah. it and perform it. And then I'm listening to music for enjoyment and it, it kind of like blurs for a little while and then you feel a little awkward and lost or it's just like, I I don't even know what to listen to right Mm. now. Like I, I kind of feel a little anxious about listening to things that aren't stuff or aren't songs that I have to learn. Um, because I'm kind of wasting my time in a sense. I'm not doing something productive and I'm not actually working on stuff that I need to work on. But 
you have to, I've found at least lately, like you really have to strike a balance with that where it's like, I am listening to this to enjoy it, to like discover something new, to yeah. have, uh, you know, a good time and to f- like kind of reacquaint myself with the reasons that I love music in the first place. Um, and I actually, find I actually listen to way less music now. Yeah. I'm, mo- I'm more podcasts and audiobooks. Yeah. Because I'm in the studio all the time and I'm listening to reference tracks mm-hmm. and the frequencies of songs and okay, the kick drum sounds like this. Mm-hmm. It's, it is a lot harder to listen to music for pleasure yeah, because time. your mind quickly goes the analytical way with it. And it's, yeah, I can't just listen to a song and just enjoy it. I'm thinking about the guitar tone yeah. or how did he get his vocals to sound like that? What mic did they use? Yeah. Like it's hard to just, Unless it's a genre I don't really know at all. Like I can listen to like classical yeah. or maybe hip hop or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay, I can just, I don't have to analyze because I don't create that. Yeah. But if it's in the genre I enjoy, I can't really just listen to it from a just perspective of sinking in and letting it like take over, you know? Totally. Do I you feel- guys miss that? Like, do you miss that <laughs> yeah. experience? Yeah. yeah. You're both yeah. nodding really heavily. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like uh, I kind of almost dug my own grave in a sense with like production and starting to do a little bit of that on the side too, because for a while hip hop was what I could listen to and not have to worry. Like I can, I obviously would like listen to the hip hop beats and be like, oh, this is awesome and and want to play that kind of stuff. But then now when I listen to almost any music, it's like you're dissecting it and it's like, okay, what are the different layers that are happening? Like if I produce this, what would it look like in a a, a DAW? Um, So that's... Yeah, it, it just changes how you listen to music pretty much forever. Yeah. Kind of yeah. just ruins it for you, you know? <laughs> it makes sense though. I, I can totally see that happening. Are there have you found other things that bring you just that sense of ease or pleasure or enjoyment in your life to maybe Joy replace that a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> uh no, I, you know, I think I'm really fortunate in the sense that it is still music Mm -hmm. and that when i do listen to music for pleasure it's like the best and it makes me want to go back it's it's kind of like a a nice trade-off where like i get overwhelmed with all the songs that i have to learn so i listen to songs that i don't have to learn and then i really like those songs and i i remember how much i love music and then i'm like oh yeah i get to do this for a living and then i can go back and listen to those other songs and and kind of approach them with like a clearer mind and be like okay let's Let's do it. You know. How important is the social aspect of music in Nova Scotia for you? It's so big. It's like the only thing that the only time I get to see people almost is when I'm playing music with folks on stage. Because otherwise I'm I go through like pretty intense periods of being incredibly busy and spending a lot of time around a lot of people, uh, and then doing nothing and just being at home by myself. Or with my roommates. And that's like literally the balance right now is Mm -hmm. these two things. There's not a lot of like hanging out with friend groups in between. Sometimes there is. uh, I've been playing a lot of Magic the Gathering lately. So that's been like something that I'm I'm trying to do is hang out with people and play Magic. Uh, But other than that, it's like super um, like social overload from going to bars and playing with your buds to just being at home and not seeing anybody. And I really, I think I, I value that contrast quite a bit because I'm an only child mm-hmm. and I've always 
been very comfortable being by myself. So having that, like being able to kind of come back to that is really nice and refreshing. And then I can get things done and like focus on what I need to learn for the next gig. Mike has talked about before, as have other musicians or performers on the show, about getting that rush and high at a Mm. show and that it can lead to a little bit of depression ultimately like in the days after is that something you've experienced with the highs and lows oh my god yeah i think what we really need is like just an audience to follow us around all the time (laughs) just clapping constantly yeah Yeah. forget (laughs) podcasts just listen to like applause in your (laughs) we'll put we'll put applause in this episode here (laughs) like a laugh track but yeah recorded in front of a live just cheering just you're cheering for everything pat says Yeah, <laughs> we did talk about eating chips through this whole episode. Oh, so yeah. instead, we'll just have random clapping yeah. throughout. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a question. Okay, what is the perfect life for you in uh, music? What? How do you envision that? Or maybe you're living it already. And I guess this is kind of what is making it, and have you already yeah. made it too? Uh, the perfect life for me was the first year that I moved back to Halifax when I was living in this big place in Bedford. Uh, it was like a giant house in the middle of the woods out on Shore Drive. Um, yeah, you were house sitting. Yeah, right? I was yeah. house sitting. There was a guy who owned it. He lived in Trinidad, and because of COVID, he was like wasn't really coming back. It was kind of his home whenever he would come back to Nova Scotia, which was rare anyway. And it was kind of beat up and a little run down and like not really rentable necessarily, but still, uh, you know, beautiful home. It had like one of those Wendy's like solariums in the back, you know, the ones. It was so sick. (laughs) And it like faced out into the woods. So I would just go like wake up in the morning, you go down to the kitchen and there's this big solarium and there's like deer out in the lawn and stuff. I'm sure you guys probably have that here because this place is awesome. We don't want to (laughs) brag. Similar vibes for sure. Um, But yeah, living there, I had my studio set up in the basement. So I had like my drums up and mic'd and I could just go down there and be as creative as I needed to at any given time. Uh, That was the ideal situation, just living and, well, I I mean, I also didn't pay rent, which (laughs) is is, ideal. Yeah, very ideal. Uh, But having that was awesome. It sounds like freedom's a big yeah. part of that component. Yeah, like it really dream was. life is freedom. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's trickier now because I have roommates at home and I don't always have the freedom to play and a lot of the times like the only times I'll sit down buying my instrument is at a rehearsal for a gig and then at the gig and that's it. And I haven't played drums between like the last time I played to actually perform and then when we go to learn the songs and rehearse together as a band. So that's also kind of a tricky part of it is uh, when you asked if I have a good memory, I really have to because the way that I learn songs these days is just by listening to them over and over and over again Mm -hmm. and, you know, taking notes and stuff like that. But I don't get to listen to them and then like play along to them. I have to listen to them, play them like once or twice in rehearsal and then we do them live and that's pretty much it. Have you ever had a desire to play with just a single band and see where, like, how far that could take you? That's kind of, I think, where I started was just playing with a handful of people. Like, playing with Willie back in the day was, like, that was, like, the band, and that's who I played with. And um, then it just started to branch out, and, you know, one band can only be so busy necessarily for whatever amount of time you know unless you're like going on the road and doing a bunch of touring and stuff like that which um 
once somebody gets to that point, I'm super happy to do that. And I've already been doing a bit of that, so that's yeah. pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But uh, fortunately, like, not all of my bands are, like, road warriors all at the same time. So that's really nice right. that I don't have to, like, split myself up between that. Um, what are some of the on-the-road places you've been that stand out? Oh, man. I think <laughs> the first, like, tour that I did was when I was living in Montreal. It was with this band called Pink Cocoon that uh, I think they go by a different name now, but it was kind of like a a doom blues band was the genre. Uh, Very heavy, kind of intense. I got recommended it by a friend who, uh, actually, he's given me quite a few gigs. He um, played with Roland Grant as well. His name is Morgan Zwicker. He's a wicked drummer. Mm -hmm. Um, But he, like, couldn't make this tour for this band, so I got on board, and we toured all around, like, central Canada and Quebec. But it was, like... It wasn't like you'd go and do the loop kind of thing and come back and play all the dates on the road. It was like a zigzag back and forth. So yeah. we'd play like Montreal and then we'd play Hamilton and then we'd play Quebec City and then we'd play like <laughs> Oshawa. And it was just so much driving in this old like GMC Safari that he had. And we'd maybe sleep on people's floors after the gig or we'd just sleep in the van in like a Walmart parking lot. And it was like October. So it's freezing outside. <laughs> And you wake up at seven in the morning because you didn't sleep really at all. And then I would go into the Walmart and work out with the weights that they sell there. <laughs> oh my God, it's incredible. <laughs> Living the dream. Yeah, buddy. that is it. So that's, that's actually when I said the ideal life, what I really meant was <laughs> sleeping in a van and working out in a Walmart. <laughs> what, what moves would you do? Uh, I, <laughs> I do like some curls. I would, I remember taking like a, they had like a boogie board kind of thing yeah. and I put that on the floor and I would use that as like a bench and then I just lay down on the bench. And <laughs> were you acting like you were just trying them out? Like, oh, I'll just give this a whirl and see if I want to buy it. I didn't it. even have to pretend. Yeah. Like it was Walmart it was at seven Walmart. in the morning. Nobody cared. They were like, <laughs> nobody there was awake. Are these like, really 25 pounds? <laughs> really test them out here. That's yeah. so good. But you must have to put pretty concerted effort into taking care of yourself with the odd schedule you're working and just brain capacity it requires you'd think yeah <laughs> no yeah I i'm encouraging you yeah here, Pat, please no. yeah i'm going straight to the gym after this <laughs> yeah. podcast yeah. um yeah no it definitely like you know I, i i think i did a lot of that work in my 20s which i'm really grateful for because i feel like i've been slacking a little bit lately just because of the sheer workload of of learning all these songs and whatever um But I, my dad was a, a bodybuilder when he was younger, so I really kind of got into that because of him. Um, not that I'm like giant for people listening at home who don't know what I look like. I'm not like some Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> He's really giant, yeah. you guys. <laughs> I'm currently shirtless, uh, oiled up, <laughs> <laughs> going straight to my competition after this. Um, you do give really good hugs. Thank you. Yeah. I, so, I pride myself. On I that. think that's because of your biceps. Yeah, because of my training for yes, sure. Yeah, a lot of squeezing. <laughs> um, yeah, being uh, having like the the fitness aspect of drumming definitely helps quite a bit. Although, like, it's funny because people think that it's a much more physical thing than maybe it is. Like, when you get to a certain level, um, it's a lot of just pure technique. So I'm sitting behind the drums, and yeah, I'm moving a lot, but I'm moving because I like moving and i like feeling mm-hmm. that groove but i'm really just like doing tiny little movements with my wrists and my fingers and stuff and it's not like as except for that paramore show where i'm like hitting as hard as i can you know like you can get a lot of sound out of a drum by not hitting very hard yeah and uh 
a lot of the gigs that I'm on, I don't, I shouldn't be hitting hard, you know, yeah. like I'm playing in a restaurant or something or, mm-hmm. but your, your coordination <clears throat> has to be off the charts to yeah. be a drummer. Yeah. And that is, that's it's athletic almost more than anything. Yeah, for sure. It's a lot of like, it's like a puzzle you're solving with yeah. your brain, you know, like how do I do this over here, but then also do this over here. And it's kind of interesting. Can you tap your head and rub your belly at the same time? <laughs> you bet. <I> can. <laughs> Whoa. That bare belly of yeah. yours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you mean these rock hard ass? <laughs> I'd try, but I don't want to hurt my hand. Yeah. I think once you start with the kick drum with everything, that's where I get lost. Yeah. Like Mike's tried to show me a few things. I can kind of do the two hands at different beats, mm-hmm. but then mm-hmm. when I add the drum in, it's like, whoa, this is way too many. Like, are you thinking about at this point? I'm sure it just f- is in your body. Like, yeah. It's just natural. But yeah. there's a weird brain thing that happens when you're trying to do three different things at once. Well, now, like these days, what I'm focusing on the most is the the left foot, which is the fourth thing that a lot of people like. Typically, your left foot just keeps time and mm-hmm. you've got the hi-hat and it's like opening and closing the hi-hat and you're just kind of keeping time for the band. But what I when I'm practicing alone, because it's not something that I can use on stage all the time, but uh, I'm I'm trying to incorporate that as its own instrument as well. And like sometimes you replace using a kick drum with your left foot and you get a, a hi-hat close sound, which is just a different tone that you can throw in somewhere. And it's it's like kind of opening up the doorway to like four-way coordination where all four of your limbs are working in conjunction with each other. And you're not necessarily like setting one just to do like its default thing and then only focusing on the three you know you're doing all of them at the same time and it's pretty cool and this takes thousands of hours yeah. to get to <laughs> thousands of years yeah you didn't even yeah. mention the fourth thing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> have you ever listened to the artist shaky graves i haven't too much but i know the the artist for sure uh i think he was an actor on friday night lights but anyway he uh he does he some solo performances he's a singer guitar player but he does all a bunch of percussion with his feet and it's just like out of this world like to have like he's playing really intricate intricate guitar parts Mm -hmm. but also having like this awesome rhythm with with both feet and like that is that's awesome your brain's on another level to be able to do that that kind of reminds me of xavier rudd too remember yeah yeah, he would do like the didgeridoo and then also like play stuff and i remember seeing like a live show of his and it's just like the spaceship with a big didgeridoo sticking up (laughs) do you think didgeridoo takes any talent or if you <laughs> like if i if i got a didgeridoo today and went down on the waterfront well it's a little too cold to busk but if i just never played before and just started blowing it i think i could make more money than if i was playing and singing yeah i mean a 20 years trained musician do you want to make a million dollars or not like this yeah. is that's the real question yeah. here. you guys are giving away all our secrets <laughs> people just walk by oh look at that it's super long it makes sense there is a guy on the waterfront it's not a didgeridoo but it looks kind of like one but it's probably three times as long and it kind of curls up on the end it's like a mix between a didgeridoo and maybe a i don't know trumpet or something (laughs) anyway i stopped one afternoon and talked to him and i'm finding this funny now because i was so curious about him and now i'm realizing that it's like so cliche to be drawn (laughs) to the didgeridoo (laughs) guy if it's unique like everyone knows what a guitar yeah sounds like a lot of people can play a couple chords but a didgeridoo you 
I don't know. Sounds yeah, good yeah, in yeah, didgeridoo. Yeah. Like, <laughs> not to di- discount any of the uh, didgeridoo oh, yeah, listeners. I'm sure there's or some... any didgeridoo players who that like is to our hire target me in the future. Too, yeah, yeah. So this is awkward. I but... think it requires a bunch of skill, personally. Yeah, so. well, I'm sure yeah. there's there is a very uh, big skill gap between a good didgeridoo player and a not so good one. Yeah. But they can't see us winking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, it must be so hard. Just a, a theory here, you know. Like, that was the loudest wink. That you can yeah, hear it through yeah. the microphone. Sure. <laughs> clap, clap, clap. Yeah. yeah, that's the cheering comes in. Yeah, exactly. So what do you have coming up? What are your plans for the future? Oh my god. I don't know. I try not to think about it. I got uh the this month I've got the warmers finale this weekend. We're going to Cape Breton on Friday to play a show up there, too. Yeah. Uh, I've got a show with Jacob Strang. Oh, yeah, Jacob. I play with Jacob Strang sometimes, too. More like a fill-in kind of thing. So, you know, he's not one of the the main rosters, so I don't feel bad for forgetting about him. (laughs) Um, But we're doing a show at the local on Sunday after the finale. And then a show with Rachel on the 25th. Um, The Paramore show is on the 8th of April. And I think after that, I've got a few recording things for uh, a pillow fight in between. And after that, I think most of the month of April is just going to be prep for the ECMAs. Yeah. Because I'm doing a bunch of showcases for those guys, and that'll be a lot of fun. So it's it'll be a lot of, like, rehearsing, I think, to make yeah. sure Fun that it's in Halifax, too. Yeah. Oh, my God. I know, yeah. right? You get to play a show and then go to bed in your own bed. Like, yeah. what a treat. Oh, my God. I'm playing in the ECMA hockey game. Oh, yeah. I saw that. <laughs> they just announced. They only announced like four names. Classified, Heather Rank, and us, and a former NHL player. Wow. Okay. So, well, I know where my money is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, loud wink. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got a month to be as good as him. So That's true. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was former for a reason, probably, yeah. you know? He hasn't come across anyone like me yet. <laughs> yeah, I like that they announced four people and that you made the cut. Like, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Because you've played hockey twice this year. Yeah. <laughs> twice this year, five times in the last 12 years. Maybe. <laughs> that's yeah. more than I've You guys are going to kill it. Sure, You're yeah. going to kill it. <laughs> well, Pat, we mentioned uh, we thought about eating chips this episode. So yeah, we'll wrap we things up by maybe letting us know if we were eating chips right now, what would be your flavor of choice? <laughs> Easy. You say wrap things up, but this is going to be another 45 minutes of uh, <laughs> we'll just s- we'll straight s- chip talk. Okay. Uh, I, I can give you my probably top three favorite chips right now. Uh, there's a brand called Pocky that uh, p-a-q-u-i they're kind of like more a tortilla chip they're like a a, a higher tier of dorito i would mm. say this is unexpected is this, is this what we get for uh our nachos maybe like black bag yeah yes yeah yeah yeah. very flavorful very flavorful see yeah. i am i will the disclaimer here is that i'm not a plain chip guy i'm in it for the seasoning yes. i i like a very heavily seasoned chip i like the chip to taste like what the thing is saying on the bag that it's going to taste my like. kind of man yeah a plain chips get out of here um, uh, Mike, get out of Mike here. disagrees, but yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> that's okay. Um, yes. that's okay. I like flavor, but I also like plain. Yeah, that's fine. 
It's just two against one, that's all. Um, so Pocky, they have some really, really great flavors. They also have some flavors that you should absolutely avoid at all costs, being the ghost pepper, which is like yeah. their really, really hot one that they have. Haven't tried it. Don't. Don't okay, try it. Okay. Uh, they also do this one chip challenge, which maybe you've yeah. seen. They sell like a single chip in a box that has a bunch of skulls on it. And you should, it's kind of like the same idea of why bees are brightly colored. It's like, don't eat it. <laughs> right. Don't eat that bee. <laughs> Has uh, Bruce ever done that for the oh, hot I'm sauce sure, bingo? Yeah. We should get him the chip. If you, not. Please don't do it. I did it, and it, I really like. That's I, like no, you're not listening. I care about Bruce yeah. too much. <laughs> 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 you can't do that to him. It's it was the worst experience ever. My girlfriend and I did it together. I had like two thirds of this chip, and she had like one little bite. Uh, I you know what? I shouldn't say that. She had a pretty good size. It was like a third of the chip. And we like thought it was going to be kind of a fun thing. Like I've done hot stuff before. I did uh, a friend of mine had like a party where he ordered all the sauces from Hot Ones and we did like the whole wing challenge. And it was intense for sure and spicy. And you're just like doing a lot of this and like breathing through your mouth. And uh, it was awesome and crazy. And I hope I never get famous enough to have to do it again. (laughs) But uh, it it was still fun at the end of the day, and they still tasted good, even like the really hot ones, except the bomb. I don't know if you guys watch that show, yeah. but that one's the worst. Well, Bruce it did like that poison. every episode of Hot Sauce Bingo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it tastes like poison. Yeah. Um, yeah. But this chip is like that amplified to the point that it just tastes awful, and there's no redeeming quality about it. It There's nothing good about this chip at all. It's the devil's chip. Don't ever eat it. Oh, God. So what happened to you? What happened to you? Oh, I puked so much. Yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> yes, all right. It went yeah. It went there. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of... Uh, the first couple times were like just ice cream because you try to like put out the flames. And it, it hurt. It was more like pain than it was like spice in your mouth. There was no... I couldn't even tell it was hot. It was just painful. And then I also did it on an empty stomach like a dummy. So then it just like sitting in my guts for a while was brutal and I had to abandon ship. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, so those are my least favorite chips. (laughs) My favorite chips are uh, the Pocky flavors that aren't the painful ones. They've got um, a purple flavor that's like a fiery chili lemon, and that's like still pretty hot, but not hot enough that you're going to die. And that it's so good. And like it's, I I like the pain sometimes. Maybe I'm a bit masochistic. I don't know. Uh, But it's like, yeah, I can't, when I'm eating them, I can't imagine my mouth without them because it's just like this <laughs> feeling. Uh, and then outside of those chips, which I, I can't recommend enough, uh, Miss Vicky's spicy ketchup, unreal. Unreal flavor yes. chip. Spicy I think that catch. one's come up before. Spice. Did Matt May say spicy ketchup too? No. Because I was like, Miss, I don't Miss know Vicky's are just that. pretty good in general. Yeah. Like, I think they get a lot of acclaim. spicy catch, spicy dill pickle. Like spicy anything, yeah. as long as it's not too spicy. Right. Uh, great, great flavors of chips. I remember before, like probably two weeks before Spicy Dill Pickle came out, we were at my place in Bedford, uh, like Willie and Sarah, and we had a bunch of people over and there was like leftover bags of chips the next morning and there was a no-name jalapeno and then a Miss Vicky's Dill Pickle and we just poured them together and like we're eating the the chips. Or actually, r- brands reversed. Um and it was like a spicy dill pickle. And we're like, man, this is really yeah. good. And then like our prayers were answered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There is a God. Eh? Yeah. You're a real connoisseur. I'm glad we asked this chip yeah, question Yeah, I spent today. a lot of time eating chips. Yeah. That's like, uh, you know, I, I really enjoy going to the gym. And it's because I get to spend a lot of time eating chips. Yes. 
Well, when life's all about balance. <laughs> when you're on the road, it's basically chips and yeah. pepperoni sticks. Pepperoni and sticks and, and chocolate milk. Your Red Bulls, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, that's life. the musician's diet, folks. Yeah, if you, uh, you're looking for the 2023 diet of the year. Oh, man. You know what? I also can't recommend sugar-free Red Bulls enough. I, I like, was not a big uh, energy drink person. In fact, I didn't drink coffee until I moved back to Halifax, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny. I would do, like, pre-workouts. For, which is like six coffees at once so it doesn't it's not like i never had caffeine before but uh yeah especially through music week two sugar-free ripples a day got me through that whole week and it was like perfect it was bliss i don't know if you guys watch futurama but there's an episode of futurama where fry is he's trying to drink 100 cups of coffee in like i don't know what the time frame is but he's like going through and like it keeps a count during the episode and like in the 90s he's like shaking so hard and like the caffeine sweats and everything are there <laughs> and then he finally drinks like his hundredth cup and just achieves this nirvana where he's like moving at super speed and like <laughs> is just so peaceful and everything's going in slow motion around him and that's, that's kind of what, what it you felt get like. yeah. yeah two sugar-free rebels and i'm there Nice. Well, I'm glad that you've discovered this about yourself. Yeah, you me know too. what your rocket fuel is. It only now. took uh, 32 years, and, uh, and what your absolute nemesis is yeah. for the chip. Yeah. So <laughs> I found the rock bottom, and then having yeah. at the same time. Well, we hope everybody finds themselves somewhere in between. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, thanks so much for coming, Pat. Yeah, thanks great, for having great me. Chat. Yeah, this is super fun. Lots of good secret information in there That's for the right. listeners. Go back and listen to it again at point uh, seven five times speed and reverse <laughs> it, and you'll hear some satanic lyrics yeah. about the Beatles. There you go. Yeah. We're very cryptic here. Very creative. <laughs> no, it's always fun to hang out, Pat. Uh, you just light up a room. You're Aww. always so happy and joyful, and feel that right away. So we're really psyched to have you in here today. So, yeah, nice. we'll get nice. you to put your shirt back on in a minute, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll keep chatting after. So, yeah, thanks again, buddy. Awesome. Appreciate it a lot. There we go. Yeah, another great another chat. Another chat. In the bank. In the money. Is in, that a saying? In, in the money. Think in the bag. In the bag. Yeah. yeah. We got buddy on the vine, maybe. Make one up right now. In the fruit salad. In the fruit salad. This podcast is in the fruit salad, folks. That's what we say around here. (laughs) (laughs) Makes sense, too. I really understand it. Do you want to share any upcoming news or shows that you have on the go? Well, I played uh, just last weekend at uh, the Frankenstein in Bridgewater. I had a fun little rock show there. Got a couple acoustic shows coming up. Uh, One is sold out in Iona. So you cannot get tickets to that, but you can to the Carlton here in Halifax and there's a few left for that but would and love- these are Town Heroes shows yeah yeah, yeah. And you can get them at thetownheroes.com slash shows and yeah they're gonna be really fun we always have a blast at those spots and we go to PEI so for PEI listeners out there would love to see see some of your beautiful faces at the Trailside Music Hall playing with uh, Andrew Waite who we're trying to get on the show at some point here as well but yeah, they're the next shows, and then the ECMAs, and I play in the ECMA hockey game too. Wow, well, you've in been training, training. yes, you've yeah. been working hard. You got a couple goals under your belt now. Yeah, yeah. Marc Messier. <laughs> That's my comparison. <laughs> I don't yeah. know why that was just top of mind. 
My dad caddied for him. Is that right? Yeah. Maybe that's why I felt like the connection was there. Yeah. Did I ever tell you the story? When I was a kid, I wrote a letter to Chris Chelios and told him he was my favorite hockey player. And he or his, you know, the Montreal Canadiens, whomever manages their mail, sent me back an autographed picture of Chris Chelios. And I went absolutely berserk over it. And then I ended up coloring in his signature with pen. That was smart. Like the artist I am. And my dad was not impressed. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. I devalued it, I think. Or maybe it would be worth even more now. It's, it's a like Chris a- Chelio signature with Kristen Harrington art art on it. Exactly. I'll dig it up out of the safe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this, this could make a bunch this of money for us. This will pay off our mortgage, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. This is our get ticket. That. Dig it up. Let's it's in go. the fruit salad. Let's get this in the fruit salad, folks. All right. Well, we're going to go become millionaires, but uh, thanks for tuning in again. We look forward to hanging out again next week. Yeah, we'll be back, folks. Review, tell a friend, pass it on. Get the word out there and tell us who you want to have on. We uh, we love hearing from you. Cheers. Okay, woo! woo.